أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله by the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this Jumu'ah which is one of the pillars that holds up the creation. Allah Ta'ala had decreed it as a mercy for the believers and as barakah for not just the believers but for the entire creation, for the Muslims and for the non-Muslims, for the animals, for the entire heavens and the earth. And this Jumu'ah will the Day of Judgment be established. And in this Jumu'ah will the prayers of the believers, regardless of how cold it is outside, and how difficult the conditions might be and how some people are excused from attending. The excuse for attending Jumu'ah, when it extends to people, this is also not a reason to quote-unquote cancel Jumu'ah. Jumu'ah is never canceled. It's a gift. If the believers leave it on the table, then no one benefits from it. So when there are difficult circumstances like this, then the Sharia orders us that those who are able to Establish it, establish, on, establish it on behalf of those who are not able to. This is a precept in the Sharia. People should remember this. There's a hadith of the Prophet about man nama an hisbihi, the person who sleeps, for example, through the tahajjud or through the dhikr that they usually do in the night. That that person receives the reward of it anyway. So if you're in ill health, if you live a little further away than a normal person, if your car is unsafe in the snow, if your tires are going to slip and slide, you know, you're rolling around something closer to a Prius than you are to a, like a, a, a land cruiser, then it's okay. The Sharia doesn't ask you to come and like destroy yourself. It doesn't ask you to come get into a car accident, to freeze to death, to do any of these things. If there's a reasonable chance that something of grievous bodily or property damage might happen, you as an individual have a an excuse and a reason not to come. However, if there are some people who can establish the Jumu'ah, they establish it, and their having established it will suffice on behalf of those who were not able to establish it. If some sort of calamity should happen, and Allah Ta'ala does what He wills, we ask Him for afiyah, but He does everything He does in a hikmah known to Him, that prevents even a couple of people from establishing the Jumu'ah in a place, then those who establish it in the other lands and in the other masajid and the other places will suffice for them. However, there's no canceling Jumu'ah, there's no canceling Hajj. There are certain things that are the Sha'air of Allah Ta'ala, they do not get canceled. This is something now I can say it because we're a little bit further away from the, 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 the kind of craziness of the pandemic. I'm 100% not in favor of people coming with like highly infectious diseases and, uh, you know, causing people harm. So this is, I'm not like an anti-masker or anti-vaxxer or any of those things. But at the same time, I'm not Abdul Ma Mask and Abdul Vax that ascribes holy and magical powers to these things. This is dunya that we live in. Allah Ta'ala tasked us to make decisions. It's in those complicated decisions that he'll see on the day of judgment who's the one who loves him, who's the one who tried, and what are the different ways that people tried. So this idea of just shutting down Islam for like months at a time, it, it's, it's a bad idea, it was wrong, it was a mistake, it was wrong. This area 
even if three people prayed Jum'ah over here plus the Imam, the Jum'ah would have been valid. They all could have forget about masks. They could have double, triple, quadruple masks and stood, forget about six feet from one another. They could have stood 10 feet from one another. And the rest of you stay home. In certain situations and situations like that, the rest of you stay home. If you're sick, if you have pre-existing, stay home. Don't come to the masjid and think I'm going to be a hero. You're going to pull yourself down and you're going to pull other people down with you. But it's not an excuse for the Jum'ah not to be established if it can be established. If it cannot be established without people destroying them, their own lives and uh, property and causing grievous injury and harm to themselves, then, then it's forgiven then. The people who do it on behalf of those people who, those masajid that did it on behalf of those masajid that couldn't stay open, then and only then will they receive that reward. But the problem is what? Is that our fuqaha are very few. Our imams are all uh, employees, you know, that get paid peanuts. And if you want to have peanuts as the pay, then don't be surprised when all you get is monkeys. And Allah Ta'ala, help us all. This was not the topic of today's uh, Jum'ah uh, uh, talk, but it is worth mentioning because of the conditions around us. There's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ narrated by Tirmidhi. It's one of the great qawaid of, of, of Islam, conceptually. One of the great pillars upon which the understanding of the deen rests. And Ubayyin ibn Ka'bin, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا ذهب الثلث الليل قام فقال يا أيها الناس اذكروا الله جاءت الراجفة تتبعها الرادفة جاءت الموت بما فيه جاء صار جاء الموت بما فيه جاء الموت بما فيه قلت يا رسول الله إني أكثر الصلاة عليك فكم أجعل لك من صلاتي فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم ما شئت قلت الربع قال ما شئت فإن زدت فهو خير لك قلت فالنصف قال ما شئت فإن زدت فهو خير لك قلت فالثلثين قال ما شئت فإن زدت فهو خير لك قلت أجعل أجعل لك صلاتي كلها قال إذا تكفى همك إذا تكفى همك ويغفر لك ذنبك رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن Hadith of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam is narrated by Ubay ibn Ka'b. Who is Ubay ibn Ka'b? Who is Ubay ibn Ka'b? Ubay ibn Ka'b is one of the canonical reciters of the Quran through which the Quran is transmitted. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if you became Muslim, it's not like he would teach you Qulhu Allahu Ahad personally. There are too many people for that. The first people who accepted Islam, he taught them personally. After a while, the people who required special attention, he would teach them personally, and then he would train them, and they would teach other people. So this idea of, oh, I don't follow, <clears throat> I don't follow, uh, you know, so-and-so or so-and-so, I only follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is kind of like a silly attitude. Why? Because even during Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's life, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu was recorded that he would give him cases to judge. Sayyidina Mu'adh was recorded that he gave him cases to judge. Imagine if they judged a case and then the people said, well, we don't accept this. We're only going to accept the judgment of the Messenger of Allah. This is, this is silly. If a person doesn't understand why it's silly, I'll connect the dots for you. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam deputed certain people to judge on his behalf. So their judgment is his judgment. That's how this works. 
The companions, their judgment is the judgment of the Messenger of Allah. That's how this works. These kind of silly cop-outs that people get in order to try to avoid deen, this is not right. So Ubay ibn Ka'ab is who is one of the canonical reciters of the Qur'an. It's mentioned in so many ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ that he said, learn the Qur'an from, and he listed names, and he's one of those names. And what does it mean that Ubay ibn Ka'ab was one of the Qur'an teachers? Is it because like nowadays, like he couldn't get into medical school or couldn't become an engineer or whatever? No. In fact, those were the best and brightest and most trustworthy. The people of the most amana, the people of the most deen, the people of the greatest intelligence, he deputed to carry the Qur'an. And why not? It's the greatest amana that Allah Ta'ala gave to any human being ever in the history of mankind, in the history of creation. So when he narrates a hadith, this hadith is not something that you need to have doubt in. Ubay ibn Ka'ab mentions that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam sometimes, and there are different narrations about the times, but sometime in the night he would stand up after having rested a little bit sallallahu wasallam, And he used to say this thing. He would say, O people, remember Allah Ta'ala. Remember Allah Ta'ala. Because the, the, the shaking, the quake has come, and another one will follow it. What does this mean? It's an expression that's used in the... Uh, in the Quran as well. That the day of judgment is described by the by Allah Ta'ala in his book as the the day that the Rajifa will come, the shaking, the quake. And then it will be followed by another one that rides with it. The other one that's with it. What does this mean? This is a, an expression that the Quran uses about an event that will happen. That there, there is an angel that is deputed to what? To blow into the qarn, into the horn. And that blowing into the qarn will destroy everything, everything that exists. And the only thing that will be there is Allah Ta'ala. fan. Everyone will be annihilated. Everyone is in annihilation. And nothing will remain except for the countenance of your Lord, possessed of majesty and of nobility. And then the, the Qarn will be blown. This Israfil himself will be resurrected in the order to blow the Qarn again, and it will shake the creation once more. And everyone will come back together. And this is when the Day of Judgment will occur. This is what the Rasul said, Ja'atir Rajifa. That first blowing, it's, it's, it's coming. It's, like, it's already arrived. It's so close. It's so near at hand. A person says, how is it near at hand? It's been 1400 years. The earth has been along for, around for a long time. The person who is given the knowledge of the awwaleen and the akhirin knows that it's near at hand. He says, Ja'al-Motu bima fihi. Ja'al-Motu bima fihi. Death has come with that, which is, with that which it contains, with that which comes with it. Death is difficult. Inna lil-Moti sakarat. There are pangs that death brings with it. The, the, the loss of life. The loss of life. Whether it be cosmically like the Day of Judgment or whether it be inside the individual. So the Rasul remembered this and he reminded the Ummah, don't get stuck fooling around right, right and left. 
Don't get caught fooling around right and left only to have this thing hit you when you're unsuspecting and catch you in a compromised position. There's an expression we use in a little bit more street and colloquial English, catch you with something down, but it's not appropriate for the masjid, so I'm not going to say it now. Don't let death catch you like that. Unprepared, unaware. Ubay ibn Ka'ab, radiallahu ta'ala, who said at one such occasion, I heard him say this because he would say this. On one such occasion, I asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He says, inni salata alayk. Here the word salat, it's not in the meaning that we use nowadays in, in Arabic. The word salat had a particular meaning at the time of revelation and then after revelation it takes a particular meaning. It means it's like rich, this properly set form of the ritualized five daily prayers in nawafil. Right? This means something else. It doesn't mean that they pray salat to the Nabi. That's not what it means. In this con context, what does it mean? It means my prayers to Allah, my du'as to Allah Ta'ala on your behalf. Note that there have been Christians that spoke Arabic for centuries before the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. For centuries. When they talk about their salawat, they use the same word. They use the same word Allah as well. Back when the people who now consider themselves to be the flag bearers of Christianity were worshipping Zeus and Thor and Odin. The Arabs were Christians from that time. The word Salat means what? It's like dua, like a, a dua that you ask Allah Ta'ala for something. And indeed, even in our religion, making dua to Allah Ta'ala is a form of worship, asking Him for something. Say, Ya Allah, I want a new Tesla and I want a big house. This is also a form of worship. You're asking Allah, you're not asking Elon Musk or whatever, right? This is a recognition that he's the one who gives and he's the one who provides. So he says that, I, he goes, he goes I, I make a lot of dua for you. I, I make, send a lot of dua for you. Why? Because they loved him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Why wouldn't you do that to someone who is good to you? Someone who is good by you. Why wouldn't you do that? He says, I, I, I send a lot of salat and salam on you. I make a lot of dua on you. He said that, how much, should I, how much should I limit that? The idea was what? Some of my dua is for you and some of it's for me. I remember when I was in college, a, a very a nice young man, but somewhat naive. He says, I love my mother so much. I told her, I said, if, if on the day of judgment you were going to go to Jahannam, I would say, yeah, Allah, just put me in instead of you. The sentiment is admirable from a particular angle. I told him though, but you don't understand what Jahannam is. Jahannam is that thing that's so scary that even <laughs> that there's nobody who's going to be able to do, say that on that day. So just make dua for yourself and your mother. Every difficulty of this world, you might say that, but that's going to be something that will overwhelm everybody. But this sentiment was what the companions عنهم, used to have for the Rasul وسلم, This sentiment is what everyone from the Ahlullah used to see for the Prophet This is why people used to follow the Sunnah of the Prophet This is why people used to grow beards and wear turbans. This is why people used to enter the bathroom with their left foot and leave with their right and enter the masjid with their right foot and leave with their left. This is why people used to say their du'as before eating, sleeping, making love, any of these things. This is what carries a person. If a person understood what this meant, it would make them want to dance 
It would give them ecstatic, an ecstatic feeling. That type of feeling, that social media and TikTok and commercial advertisings and shopping malls and governments and armies and intelligence agencies and all sorts of different capital-intensive ventures are there to make the ummah forget about. That he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to Sayyidina Anas bin Malik, oh my dear son, and no, this is my sunnah, and whoever loves my sunnah, loves my sunnah, not practices it, practices a higher rate than that. He says, this is my sunnah, whoever loves my sunnah, that person has loved me. And whoever loves me will be with me in Jannah. Ta'ala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-mar'u ma'man ahabba, that a person will be with the one that they love. And so this salat was part of their thing that they would do it selflessly. They thought that this is something we love him so much that this is, will make us happy that Allah gives him more. Whereas nowadays we have the attitude of what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Of course they're going to Jannah, you know? And then you'll see and you hear from people ignorant things, ignorant things. Like, oh, he's just a human being. He's just a human. Muhammadun basharun la kal bashari. Ka'annama lu'lu'u laysa kal hajari. That Muhammad, the, the, the man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he's a man, of course. We don't ascribe to him godhood or divinity. He is a man, but unlike other men, just like a, stone, a ruby is a stone, but unlike other stones. Someone says, this is excessive. This is your fanaticism. You're trying to get donations for your cause. This is why you're saying all this. Okay, open the Quran, read it. What does this mean? The Prophet ﷺ has more right to the believer than he has over himself. And his wives are like their mothers. The Ummahatul Mu'mineen, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ are like your mothers. As far as the Prophet ﷺ to describe him as your father, this is not proper. Why? Because his maqam is much greater than the father of every believer. He's the one on the day of judgment to take a sip from his hawth. To take a sip from his hawth. Forget about Sinovax and Novavax and forget about uh, 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 Moderna and Pfizer. I know so many people, they got the COVID original, they got the Delta, they got two uh, uh, doses of the vaccine, they got the booster, they got the Omicron, and they still got it another time. They ran out of names to give. Again, I'm not anti-vax, but things happen. The dunya, everything's going to fail at some point, right? Whether you, whether, you, know, you trust the vaccine or not, that's, it's going to fail at one point, right? Regardless of what your point of view about that is. But this is the inoculation, it will not fail. The one who drinks from that health of the Prophet never thirsts again. Now tell me, will you go to Jahannam? Is there, any, is there any of the ulama that wrote, you know, that the person will go to Jahannam, they just won't be thirsty. They'll just feel like, mashallah, I don't, you need something to drink? No, I'm good. The fire hurts, but I'm good. That's again, a misunderstanding what the fire is. That Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he's the one, his shafa'ah, if, if it was visited on, on, on Hitler and Stalin, if it was visited on Iblis and on Fir'aun, they would have been forgiven, forget about you and me. Obviously, I'm not saying it will be. In fact, we know by Nusus, it's not visited on any kafir. But that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa that's his shafa'ah. Now tell me something, does a person not have to look with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa 
Which one of us were here that the angel of the Lord came to us and revealed to us the Quran? Zero. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the one. He brought the message and the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was described in the message to be also part of the message. That he doesn't speak from caprice, from vanity. Rather, the things he says, that's a revelation that's revealed. That Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that Allah ta'ala himself says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu sallu alayhi wasallimu taslima. Send your salat and salam on him. So this Ubay says, radiyallahu anhu, I make a lot of dua for you. I send salat and salam upon you a lot. How much should I send it though? The concern is what? That maybe I'm disobeying you by doing this so much that I'm neglecting my own dua for myself. Why? Because the Rasul Sallallahu his model was not that you kill yourself, you know, and give me all your money and like starve to death while I enjoy myself. This is the model of leadership, sadly, that a lot of people look up to nowadays, even more sadly in the Muslim world and amongst Muslims. This was not the model. The model is what? You be successful and in your success is my success. So he had this question. I want to ask this question. We should all ask this question. He said that, he said that he, the Rasul Sallallahu said what? You can do as much as you like. So I said to him, how about like a quarter of my du'as for you? Rasulullah said, it's however you like, and if you did more, it would be good for you. He said, how about half of my du'a? He says, you can do as much as you like, and if you did more, it would be good for you. How about two-thirds of my du'a? He says, do as much as you like, and if you did more, it would be good for you. He said, what if all of my du'a that I would make was only for you? All of my dhikr that I made, all of my du'a that I made was all salat and salam upon you. What did he say, sallallahu alayhi wasallam? If you were to do that, if this was to be your practice, it would suffice you every one of your worries. And it would see all of your sins be forgiven. What does this mean? This means something very special. What does this mean? This means that the Salat and Salam on the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, a is not prophet worship. I've heard this thing from people. This is one of the most aqbah, one of the most disgusting things that a person could say. How do you say salat and salam on the Prophet ﷺ? The masnoon riwayat. There are a number of forms, long and short. But the afdal, the most virtuous of them, is the one that's transmitted through the sunnah. Allahumma. What does that mean? Ya Nabi? No, it means Ya Allah. Why do we not say Ya Allah in Arabic? Because Ya is for nida. It's for calling someone far away. Allah Ta'ala is not far, Allah Ta'ala is near. He says, Ya Allah, send Salat and Salam on Muhammad and on the family of Muhammad. The Al means not just the family, but there's a hadith of the Prophet Alu Muhammadin Kullu Taqiyin. Everyone who fears God is from the Alu Muhammad. If somebody says, oh, you just made this up in order to discredit the Ahlul Bayt, I have a proof for, from the Quran, very simple, right? Does it mean the, the family of Fir'aun? No. In fact, we know that many members of the household of Fir'aun, including his wife, Asiya, السلام, and including Sayyidina Musa, السلام, they're not included in that. But it's the people, his henchmen, the people who obeyed him. It's addressed to whom? To Allah Ta'ala. There are two things. One is it's a validation that, Ya Allah, you sent me this message. I revere it. Alul Rasul Ain, like the Arabs say, that I take it on my head and on my eyes. 
I'm subjugated to it. I accept its authority. I revere it. It's more beloved to me than other than it. And like that, everyone who follows the Prophet ﷺ, everyone he commands us to obey and to listen and to take from, ala rasul ain. And Allah Ta'ala is pleased with that. Why? Because you didn't speak to him in this world directly. The only thing you know about him is what this Nabi ﷺ told you. So this is your way of showing reverence to him, to him Jalla through the Nabi ﷺ. And this is why he's awla bil mu'mininim and anfusihim. So I went over today for a couple of reasons. Many people have the day off or have some flexibility. And because of the road conditions, I knew everybody is going to be late anyway. And I didn't want people to miss Jummah if they made the way out. I will read one more hadith and translate it, inshallah. Then after that, we can pray. And I for, uh, ask for forgiveness for going over if anyone expected that it was going to be uh, on time. 15 minutes is what I gave over. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of us. عن أوس ابن أوس رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن من أفضل أيامكم يوم الجمعة. The Rasul صلى الله عليه وسلم said from the most virtuous of your days is جمعة meaning the most virtuous of your days is جمعة this جمعة that we're in right now فأكثر عليه الصلاة فيه this is a sunnah so say salat in Islam upon my name on this Mubarak day فإن صلاتكم معروضة عليها why? Because your, your salat is shown to me. It's shown to me. Someone asked, Ya Rasulullah. He says, Qalu, Ya Rasulullah, wa kayfa tu'radu salatuna alayka wa qad aramta. That when you're, when you're gone, how is the salat in Islam going to be shown to us? He said, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Qala yaqulu balita. قال إن إن الله حرم على الأرض أجساد الأنبياء that indeed Allah Taala has made haram on the earth the prophets عليهم السلام the point is is what is that your salat in Islam has two things one is the aspect of dhikr to Allah Taala that you're talking you're addressing him and you're making du'a to him for the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم someone says what's in it for me good question What's in it for you? You remember the hadith of the Prophet that whenever a person makes a dua for his brother when he's not present, Allah Ta'ala sends an angel to say, and for him as well. This is one of, like the, the, one of the best like weapons that every believer has ever been given. Why? Because if the, you made dua for yourself, God knows if you're worthy of being answered. But who's the, if anyone was worthy of being answered, then the Nabi Sallallahu wouldn't he be worthy? So if it's answered for him, then what? It reflects off of him and it comes on to you. This is like a no-brainer. It really, it's a no-brainer. The second thing is what? That the Nabi Sallallahu when you send salam to him, even after his passing, even after his passing, he's alive. This is not something that's like some sort of weird, like spooky shirk thing that everybody like somehow, someone put this like uh, poison in their mind and make them think about that. Doesn't the Quran itself say, doesn't the Quran itself say about Fir'aun that every day he's shown his maqam in the hellfire? That's who? That's Fir'aun. Doesn't the Quran say about the shuhada that don't say that they're, they're dead, rather they're alive and they receive provision from, they receive rizq from Allah Ta'ala, whose maqam is higher. Why is it something so difficult for people to believe or understand or they have to think somehow there's shirk in it? Or what? There's no shirk. Shirk would be like what? Praying salat to like somebody or to a stone or to an animal or to 
the sun or the moon or whatever. This is what? Making dua for Rasulullah to Allah Ta'ala and sending salam to him. And he said, he answers the, the salam himself. He answers the salam himself that the bodies of the Prophet Allah Ta'ala made them haram that the earth doesn't digest them. That the earth doesn't rot them. That whenever someone says salam to him, the angels bring the salam to him وسلم, and he responds to that person by name. If the dua is accepted or not, if it's said mindlessly, because a person has a thousand things that they do in the day, that part of the Salat al-Salam, you or I may not get benefit from. However, when you say salam to somebody and they say wa alaykum as-salam to you, if your salam to him sallallahu alayhi wasallam isn't accepted, will his salam to you return, respond, respond, and his response and his salam back to you, will it be ignored by Allah Ta'ala? Will he say it mindlessly? Absolutely not. This is one of the great gifts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to this ummah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enrich us through it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send prayers of blessing and mercy and barakah on Sayyidina Muhammad and on the family and the folk of Sayyidina Muhammad just like he did on Sayyidina Ibrahim and on the family and folk of Sayyidina Ibrahim Allahumma innaka hamidu majid wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulih Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in